tell them you're dreaming, Jared. Origin dream? Tick. NFL dream? Tick. Now for that one about Rugby Sevens for Fiji at the Olympics. The Icemen's booting their teams to last gasp glory. Day first, daylight second, as Jason rules the golfing world. The man who defies death for fun. Nitro Circus star Travis Pastrana is our special guest. Lights. Well, maybe not lights. Camera. Action. This is the Backpage Live. Wanted to run around in the baggy green. Want to be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never ever give up. They think women are strong enough, but we just be the world. Their senses are dulled. I got punched in the back of the head regularly. It's just unfortunate it was from a coach. G'day there, hello and welcome. Great to have your company. Uh, look, I'm not much of a risk taker myself, but I can't wait to meet Travis Pastrana, who absolutely is. That would be brilliant. Nor can these people. Say hello to Kelly Underwood and Robert Craddock. Welcome to both of you. And on this side of the table, Ryan Fitzgerald alongside Mr Jamie Soward. Hello and welcome. Good to have you back, Sally. Got plenty in store for you very, very shortly. Look, I love Jared Hayne. Uh, he's a remarkable athlete, but... Turns out his NFL career was just a very short daydream. His real dream is to play rugby sevens for Fiji at the Rio Olympics. Look, I don't want to be cynical about this, but is this not just an elaborate exit strategy from an NFL career that didn't take him and wasn't going to take him where he wanted Crash Craddock? Exactly. Well, you got it spot on. And you forget that players, above everything else, they just want to play. And he wasn't going to play over there. So it wasn't a matter of money. I also felt that Fiji panicked, Tony. I really did. They've been to 12 Olympics. Yep. They haven't won one medal. And they were on course for gold and silver here. They didn't need him. But they just felt like they, they, they would take him on board and it would supercharge their team. It could be a massive distraction for them. And I just felt that they could field two really good teams and still win the gold or silver. Why do it to themselves? I, I, I want to get back to Fiji in a moment, but just concentrating on Jared Hayne first because he has so many options, but he didn't finish any of them. He hasn't finished that NFL career, I wouldn't have thought. He's like, you know, the fat bloke at a smorgasbord, so many meals and doesn't have to finish anything. So he's gone through and he's decided, he's called it a retirement. You don't play a season in only eight games and get to retire. He's quit. Well, it's easy to look at it like that, Tony, but for me, I look at it as he's given up uh, NRL, a lucrative contract with Parramatta. He's gone over to the NFL, which is an amazing achievement. They have so many people try out for those spots every year, and he's succeeded, as far as I'm concerned. Now he's gone to uh, the Rugby Sevens, and he's going to succeed at that. So instead of looking at you know, what could happen around that, let's look at the amazing achievements that he continues to do. And for now, he's not just an NRL player. I, th I think he sees himself as a world brand, and he's going to try and capitalise that as much as he can. I would have done Disneyland first. That's a lot easier. Um, and looking forward to Fox Sports' new show, Jared's Bucket List. Um, it's going to be ticking him off left, right and centre. Yeah, but if your bucket list was to play in the NFL and you'd done it... He's ticked it. It is. But that's not it. You don't go, I'm going to, I have a dream, I'm going to play in the NFL. You don't just play one season and then play you know, just the eight games and his record was OK. He fumbled badly, we know that. And it's an amazing thing for an Australian who hasn't played it to get there. But, but you need to be realistic. Yeah, really, realistic. Why didn't he keep going and actually make because a long-term success? surely he's seen the writing on the wall. If he was Absolutely. any chance to remain there he would not be going to the Olympics. We have to read between the lines here. There has to be a little bit more to it. Having said that, he is a footballer who wants to play football. Put, him, put yep. yourself in his shoes. He has played eight games. 
in 18 months. Now, Jamie, as a professional footballer, I would imagine that would be absolutely killing him because there is no second league. There is no go and practice. You know, we have the VFL in the AFL league. So there was no other option in a sense for him. He's read the writing on the wall and this has come along a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. If you were to say to any league player, hey, halfway through your career, Jamie, go on a two-year sabbatical and go and play a couple of games in the NFL and then go and play in the Olympics and then come back, how many would take it? Everyone would take it because you're extending your career and we've only got a short career at that. So for me, I look at the achievements and how good he is at what he does. And like I said, he's, he's making himself into a world brand now. So he's got options whether he comes back and plays in the NRL or he goes to rugby. But just to be able to play one game in the NFL is just such a big achievement. And anyone that's played professional sport will understand that yeah. on how big a scale the Americans consider that. Oh, look, I don't want to be negative, Nelly, but I still question whether he's going to make it into the Olympics. He, he was, of course, in London with the Fiji squad. Here's what he and Fiji Sevens coach Ben Ryan had to say about his prospects. The opening ceremony, walking around the stadium, you know, those are something that you know, money, money can't buy, just like my experience in the NFL, you know, sit on the sidelines of a professional organised, you know, franchise like the San Francisco 49ers, you can't, you can't buy that, you know what I mean? I think, um, you know, when you put life in perspective, you know, it's about creating memories, creating dreams. You know, I'm more than confident that once, um, once I get up the scratch fitness-wise, that, you know, it'll be uh, smooth sailing. If someone misses out on the Olympics, it's because he's not as good as Jared Haynes. If Jared Haynes misses out on getting uh, into the Olympics, it's because someone from a right, village right, is right, better right, than him right. at Rugby Sevens. I did sense that, and that was obviously a question that was asked of Ben Ryan right there, was what about that young Fijian kid who has played sevens and rugby all his life, lives, I don't know, in Latoka, wherever he is, near a sugarcane factory. He's come, he wants to play, and suddenly this guy is parachuted in. It seems odd to me. Yeah, and I agree. And, gee, they're bringing the heat on themselves, aren't they? I mean, this is a gold medal favourite team, as you mentioned earlier. Never, ever won a gold medal at the Olympics. Never won any medal. No, and suddenly the attention yeah. is here, and that poor... Someone's going to miss out. The other thing is... They've got 24 in London. They have to cull it to 12. Mm. Has there been some sort of assurance that he will get there? I think there probably has. Yeah. And that creates its own stresses. Like, there was stress at Ben Ryan's press conference today. Well, indeed, let's have a look let's at that. Crash. you mentioned that here, yeah, Fijian coach. His interview with the Aussie media, it didn't end well when security asked him to move on. Have a listen. Do you know what? I, I agree with him. He is doing his job, and you're being rude to a security member. So that's the uh, interview over. Thank you. Sorry, can I just get your name? Who is he? Ben Who. <laughs> ben Who. But, but Tony. Sign of the times for him. Well, Fiji, welcome to your new world. Welcome to the circus, the big show. That's what they've signed up for. And it's not Fiji, Tony. Those boys love sitting back, relaxing in their room. That is an experienced coach. He coached the English Sevens team for three years. He's had nothing like that today. They didn't need it, Kel. But what about... Gold medal presentation day. Say they do win it. And Jared's up there singing away, you know, the anthem. And then what's he do? Take off the medal and say, I'm off home to play with the Roosters or, you know, and never play for them again? You don't reckon that'll feel shallow? I don't know. It's, it's interesting. The odds at the moment are Fiji to win the gold medal are $3.70, right, in the yep. sevens. But for Dar Jared Hayne to take home a gold medal is $10. Mm. So I, I thought he was a mozza, a walk-up start. But by the looks of it, he's, he's you, a little bit off at the moment. He, of course, has played for Fiji before. He played rugby league in the World Cup for Fiji uh, years ago before, you know, and, and, and did beautifully score, I think, four tries in, in his three games. This is against France. That is old-school Jared wow. Hayne. You look at that, Jamie Soward, and you see the talent in a, a field with only seven. And I, as I said, I'm sceptical about his success. But he's got all the skills, hasn't he? Yeah, it? he's definitely got all the skills. I think 
we're all looking at the media side of things and will he take someone's spot? Like Ben Ryan just said, he's going to walk, he's going to go into the side if he's good enough. So they're going to have to, a decision they're going to have to come and make as a team. And if they do that, I'm sure Jared will come in and bring experience and be able to succeed on that level. And if Jared goes to the Olympics, then that coach better be used to all those journos following their every move because oh, they are not going to leave him alone. Where to next? Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's the big the, thing absolutely. we haven't, we haven't yeah. raised. The big question, there's a million stories out there. No-one can answer it. Post-Olympics, Jamie, gut feeling. Jay Hayne, where? Melbourne Cup. He's got a win on... <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know it's going to be tough, but if anyone can do That's it, it's Jared dream. Hine. He hasn't had that yeah. dream. You thought Michelle Payne was good? Yeah. <laughs> well, Jamie, seriously, you were talking before about his world brand. Is it a fair enough question to say that the NRL is now too smaller pond for him, that his world brand doesn't meet the NRL product and that why not go to Europe and earn the big cashola playing rugby? Yeah, definitely. I think he comes he either comes back to Sydney and plays for the Roosters or he goes over to Japan or Europe and just continues to grow his brand because he's gone worldwide now. What about Of course, he's, he's sevens at the moment. Uh, and, look, we went to great effort to guide Jared through his NFL career, you remember, on the show. So we thought we'd give him a, a quick crash course and want to look out for in sevens rugby. It's quite specific. First up, a reminder that, unlike NFL, you do have to put the ball down... <laughs> Oh, Jared, you need to put the ball down to score a try. That would, that would work in the NFL, but not here. Again, just put the ball down over the line. Uh, obviously, this one here, look. Yeah, no, 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 not going to put it down. Oh, no. Watch out for refs, Jared. Uh, they like to be... Oh, no, this is terrific. Wait, if you score a try, do bring a pen with you. Uh, make sure you sign. Yeah. Don't use a permanent marker like I did. $94,000 camera lens, that was wasn't so great for him. Referees oh. do like to get in the way, as you see, Jared. Oh. So be very wary oh. in, in tackles. And when you pass the ball. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> and uh, a warning, Sevens fans oh. are the creepiest in sports. Oh, uh, in sevens. Oh. But so is the entertainment pre-match. Oh. So, Jared, be very wary of David Hasselhoff. There you go. What can possibly go wrong? All right, uh, Jamie Sauer, congratulations on your first try of the year and what a thing of beauty it was. Just talk us through it. Well, I think if you had told someone that I scored a try through my defence, they would have laughed at you, but obviously that's not the case there. And, uh, yeah, it was good. We had a good week over in Christchurch, but, yeah, nice to get a try. You had a good week. Uh, and this celebration here, uh, the pointing at the, the wrist, I think it's... 297, what's that about? Yeah, it's uh, we have my best mate. Uh, it's mine, my favourite number is 33, and he's his nine. And uh, he had a bit of a, a story to go along with it. But um, yeah, it's just, yeah, I'd, I've been having a tough week before leading up to that. And uh, just with some personal stuff, and I had my you know, tight support around me and my beautiful girlfriend, Maddie. And it was an emotional week going into the game, and I was prepared and pumped. And yeah, just something, I couldn't write his full name, so I just uh, put the number so he could see that I was thinking about him. Did he know that that number represented him? Yeah, he knew that. He's, he'd come up with a number, but, um, yeah, it was, it was just something personal, and, yeah, I was glad I was able to go out and did, score. Did you get into trouble for scoring a try? You're not allowed to score tries at Penrith, eh? That's not your job. <laughs> nah, you okay. told that. Yeah, Gus walked past a couple of weeks ago and uh, supposed it was the quickest man over 40 at one stage, according to Gus, but he said, you don't score tries anymore, son, <laughs> and just walked off, and... Uh, Apparently I do, Gus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a gale blowing, obviously been an earthquake as well, but in Christchurch, you use this wind beautifully. Look at this. Oh. Zip wow. round it comes. You're happy with those ones as well, like you can see here as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
freezing. It must have been freezing over this now. Do you know you do that kind of stuff? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> giving it to me and we just, yeah, we oh, yeah, it's, it was good to win a game and not defend the last 30 seconds, but... Yeah, I think, you know, those times you get to celebrate and show off all the hard work you've done and a bit of skill there, and, you know, hopefully the um, you know, fans appreciated it. Yeah. Well, your team, young team, I reckon looking the goods for this year and beyond. Like Adam Reynolds, uh, now he knows how to kick a clutch goal. This was an absolute beauty and also break the hearts of the Eels fans who were struggling through the week, but nailed it. You, you know what that's like to both succeed and fail at that. It is an amazing thing to do. Yeah, definitely, especially when he had two kicks from the same side, one in the first half, one in the second half that had hit the post. So uh, Adam's a very smart player and a great kicker and I think he's probably the best at the moment in our competition. But for him to learn from that and kick when the pressure's on really shows how, how good a player he is. But just to keep you going there, speaking of best in the competition, I noticed that you tweeted something about Greg Inglis because the try that obviously set that up, that win for South Sydney right at the death with Luke Keery had come on late in the game uh, from the bench and was brilliant. But that ball... That guy is just something special, isn't he? Yeah, well, a lot's been made about Greg's form uh, heading into this sort of rep period, and we saw him play for the Kangaroos last Friday night. And I just tweeted out, I think he's the most versatile player ever. Uh, you know, people have obviously filled utility roles for a long time, but for me, to be able to succeed at fullback, centre, and he started the game at 5'8", so uh, to be able to put a player like that on in the centres and such a big-game player... And especially how his team's been going, he's the captain. I just think he's a fantastic role model, but, yeah, probably the most versatile player. And imagine if he had two good knees, what he could do. Oh, absolutely. You know, champions like that, it feels like sometimes they put themselves under pressure like that Mm. so then they can shine. You know, because he has been under the pump for the past month and he comes out and just shows all his haters what's... You know, what he's like, it's been unbelievable. Yeah, let's hope he's left nothing in the tank for the Dragons on Thursday night. <clears throat> All right, if you're uh, not dreaming of playing a couple of games of NFL before flipping to Rugby Sevens for uh, Fiji, mm. this is plenty of kids' football dream. Kick a goal after the siren to win by a single point. Sam Lloyd lived the dream for Richmond against Sydney. In his 28th game for the Tigers, he'll step over 50 from a 45-degree angle. Can he make a hero no. on himself? Could you not get carried away? I mean, it was it was the Tigers, Fitzy, and they were absolutely dancing in the aisles. It was exhilarating to be there. And how often do we see a goal kicked after the siren so in the never, AFL? It never ever happens. No, not in all 50. honesty. Yeah, I mean, would you just say if, if ten kicks, what would you say? Two out of ten. I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Three or four, yeah, maybe. Three and the other thing was they sprayed all their set shots all night. Like, yeah. they really struggled. That was the best set shot that they kicked. It was yeah. such a big win that they've actually... Uh, they've just given Harwick another five-year contract extension. <laughs> so, well done to the Richmond Tigers. It was a little touch-up, too, for certain 
Swans fans who shall remain Tony Squires. Yes. That, uh, who've been getting yeah. a little bit ahead of themselves, you think? <laughs> One person's dream is another man's nightmare uh, crash, obviously. <laughs> for the... Look, Hardwick, though, I, I love him. This man was incredibly happy on the field and off. There he is. There's the win. It didn't take long, Kel, to get down onto the field to celebrate with his players, did he? And great scenes, aren't they? I mean, that shows the bond between a coach and a player. He'd be the most relieved man in Australia on Saturday night because... He was under the pump. Many in the pre-season were saying maybe top four material and they fell over the line against Carlton in the first game of the season and then they lost six straight. They went all of April without a win. So It takes a little spark like that, though, that can turn a, a team completely around. Well, a couple of... Two years ago, it was a slow start. Yep, and they are. the question is now, can they sort of rise from the dead again? Because they've done it for the last two years. Two years ago, there were three wins from the first 13 rounds and won nine in a row to just scrape into the finals. So, no, Good on the Tigers. All right, Carlton coach Brendan Bolton uh, has always been a very happy character. Even more reason to smile with fourth win on the trot for the good old Navy Blues. Fitzy looks good, doesn't he? It's good. He's coming with a new game plan. It's not pretty, Tony. It's very defensive. But he said, you know what? An ugly loss is better than a... Uh, a no, sorry. An ugly win is better than a pretty loss. That's yep. his uh, motto at the moment, and it's working. I mean, for Blues fans, when's the last time they won four in a row? Yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's exciting They times. won four for all of last year, and he is everything that Mick Malthouse isn't. He oh, wasn't. Wasn't. <laughs> Bubbly, energetic, happy, happy-go-lucky. <laughs> and, and said with the confidence of knowing we've already had Mick on the show. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't have to re-invite no, him. Yeah. I can hear the, Mick of, the, the ghost of Mick Malthouse in here sometimes. <laughs> just hitting me on the back of the head. At the other end of the emotional scale, though, in footy, how moving was it to see Dane Gagai's breakdown in the arms of Corbin Sims? This is after the night's that massive loss to the Sharks. Uh, this is just absolutely heartbreaking. We learnt later, of course, that he's, uh, his grandmother had passed away that morning. The team, he's the last line of defence. Uh, they're flogged by 60 by the Sharks at their home ground. That is always emotional and difficult to take. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, if the NRL want to learn from the AFL last year, they need to stand up and get up well, to that Yeah, that's that because we he we're hearing now, it wasn't a, that wasn't the reason for the tears, we're hearing that there was some kind of allegedly racist remarks made from the crowd towards Dane Gagai. So you're saying the NRL should do something about that? Well, yeah, I'm addressing both things. No-one here knows what goes on in my life as soon as I walk away from the set. You know, um, I think everyone needs to respect that a little bit more in Australia, especially with athletes. You know, it can be a roller coaster ride. Sometimes you can have personal issues. And for Dane, obviously, that was a tough day. But to walk off that field and have a fan say what he said was absolutely disgraceful. And I think the NRL need to take over from Newcastle. They need to get up there, address it, and make sure that Dane feels safe going back into that environment. Because you don't just pay your money and get the chance to go out there and say whatever you want. We saw with the Adam Good stuff. It's not acceptable. Absolutely. And it shouldn't drag on all year. It shouldn't go a week. It should just be over and done with. But... Once you come to the game, support your team, bag the other players, but keep it respectful enough to know that they have issues, they have families, and they have families that go to the game as well. So we're tending to get a few more of these, start creeping with posters, signs, uh, chants, stuff. Let's keep it all you know, in, in due course and, and agree to go and have a good time at the footy rather than have to deal with stuff like Dane has to do now. So you're saying stuff that's intensely personal? That is, is for, what was, for what that you know, fan said to Dane was disgraceful. Which was a horrible racist, racist, racist remark. It was a racist it? comment. And, and, and yeah. it, to, it, to find out if, if, if it was your own supporter, I mean, you'd ban someone for life 
to ever come back to the footy for something like that, especially if it's your own team. It's a disgraceful, disgraceful comment, and I hope they find the bloke. Yeah, and on the, these sort of issues, you want to see leadership, don't you, Jamie? And you would like to have seen the NRL speak publicly on this issue? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a perfect time, especially with the change at the top that we've had. I think it's a perfect time for the NRL to come out from the top and be able to address it and get it uh, you know, sorted out, not only for Dane's sake, but for the whole wider NRL community, whether it be black, white, you know, whatever. I think it's a good chance for, for Todd to come out and address it. Yeah, it was Indigenous round as well. All right, very scary for Robbie Farah after he was not cold in that collision with Bulldog Josh Reynolds. Uh, Reynolds, of course, you see here going into the, the, the kick. And it's just the heap in the head. Reynolds copped a lot from the crowd as well because people thought right there that he was going down with knees. He clearly didn't. They're, they're good mates. He lobbed at Robbie's house out later in the evening. Um, God, you'd pass out again if Josh Reynolds was waiting for you at home when you go <laughs> Open the front door and there's the grub. <laughs> Down I go. But, but they're good mates. And, you know, and the, the, what, the concern that he showed for him on the field was clear for everybody to see. Yeah, that's exactly right. They're obviously good mates away from footy. And for Josh to go around and see if Robbie's all right, I think shows a, a great side of his character that probably not too many people saw. I like what I saw for St George Illawarra against Canberra, mainly because I could only see half of the field. Turns out the Dragons were better than the Raiders at stumbling around in the dark <laughs> after a power failure killed much of the lighting. This was brilliant. This is good old-fashioned football. It was like watching the first games of the Amco Cup at Leichhardt Oval when they had four lights on a, on a matchstick. It was great. Yeah, but... And then the try to win the game in Golden Point crash. It really was. I mean, look... Poor old suburban footy. There's people just craving for moments like that so they can say, get it back to the main stadiums. But as a player, Jamie, how do you feel about the, the suburban grounds? Like, would you prefer to play at the big ones or, or a home game out in the burbs? I think the home game out in the burbs is probably the way to go. You keep the bigger stadiums for the bigger games. I think sometimes... If you play at ANZ or that's your home base, you tend to lose that feeling of when you go there for a big game. They've uh, had five different home bases this year. That's the way it's going, isn't it? Like, the old thing of your home being your fortress, it's sort of gone, isn't it? Yeah, well, most teams are taking away a game or two a year. We've taken the last two away and been able to, to come away with wins. So I think if you want to win the competition, you've got to be able to put yourself in different environments and perform. But question without notice, is a man bun fair game on the footy field? Uh, Josh Hodgson thought so when he got a hold of Mitch Rain's locks. Look at this. Mm. Get a closer uh, look. He has got a lot of flowing hair there. He and... got detention for that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Ow! Oh, <look laughs> you should have seen the Chinese burn he got after. <laughs> Just a big scar on his arm. <laughs> but... It is a temptation too great for many on the sporting field. Look, here's just a, a very short collection of, of a few of them. Obviously, again, uh, a raider oh, on the oh. other end for the Tigers there. Down he goes. Sammy Mitchell couldn't help himself. Uh, this one's quite oh. viral. Yeah, I knew that we're getting... Oh. And, oh. See, trouble is... No. Harold <laughs> oh, Daggy's no. got the rug. He's trying to, to refit. Well, you're going to get on the carpet call, <laughs> don't you? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Still on, still on hair or, or lack of it. Our story today that Floyd Mayweather pays up to $3,000 a week for haircuts. That's around $1,000 a pop. And look at him. He's got no hair, Fitzy. There he is. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's very fun. It's interesting, though, because isn't that 1000 bucks up for grabs, crash, to find the information where the whereabouts of your hairdresser is as well, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank He's you. gone missing. Yeah. I think the cops are after him. Yeah. I thought that was going to go down a little bit better. <laughs> Don't give up your day job. Well, that is your day job. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> damn. <laughs>
This might turn into a bit of a Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor fight by the end of the night. <laughs> I can't believe he pays a thousand bucks, but he doesn't get one a week. He gets three, three. a week. Yeah. Mm. And he's what? Just he doesn't have hair. He just gets it shaved. Exactly. He gets oh. it shaved. Brilliant. <laughs> Devout Mormon Will Hopwate. Uh, he didn't play for the Bulldogs on Sunday because his his religious beliefs. Uh, Sam Perrett is also a Mormon, but Coach Des has refused his bid for Sunday off. Now that may be cruel for Des, but a slip of the keyboard made it even crueler on the City Morning Herald. Dogs deny more on Perrett Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that was it was that, that was legit. It was fixed by the second edition. Well, I think you're a bit of a surprise. <laughs> that was a type of You're not a moron if you can have seven wives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're a legend. <laughs> Sledge of the week from the Broncos, Sam Friday to Manly's Nate Miles. Right, bend your heads and get in. His head's too big, sir. Nate Miles should be a penalty. Right, bend, pack in. Second rowers, pack in. This <laughs> is just the butt of every joke now, yeah, Nate Miles. Who's, who's the biggest head that you've seen in footy? Who's got the biggest head? Oh, in the showers or. No. When they're washing their hair and that. Go on, whoa. Let's get back on. If we can. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, th- I think we lost the Mormons. <laughs> There's plenty of Australians na- nailing it on the world sports stage, but the biggest of them all at the moment is Jason Day. <laughs> world number one golfer has won seven. Seven of his past seven events, finishing four shots clear in the Players' Championships yesterday. He is just absolutely dominating crashes, and he's doing it in beautiful fashion. Even when he struggles, he just gutses it out, and then he plays pretty, and he putts beautifully. Tony, you just said it. Even when he struggles, he's still four shots too good for him. His three-wood was going hither and thither the other day. He still destroyed him. This is the best year ever by an Australian golfer. No-one's matched this. And I love hearing some of the American golfers saying, how do you match this kid? You play with him, and he beats you by 30 yards on the drive... And the other end of the hole, he's probably one of the top three putters in the world. Mm. So, and, and he's interesting. He's so ambitious. I've never heard anyone else ever say at his age, I want to be in the Hall of yeah. Fame. He took the words out of my mouth. That was the one thing I noticed. Did How you like that or not like that? Oh, I, I had to sit back and think about it. And yeah, I thought, hang too. on, was he prompted? And he wasn't. He actually said, if I want to be a Hall of Famer, I need to win more of these. And I thought... I mean, I he, actually love it because yeah, but, he, because he, he wants to be a legend of yeah, the sport yeah, but you know and his then it means so much. It's great. Yeah. He's not a big head. No. Back on the big no. heads. But he, it's, <laughs> he's, um, he's not... You know his personality. He's not like that. He's just so driven. It's good to see someone who has that drive. And he doesn't hide from it, does he? When, he's, no. he's really he's, up front. Exactly. When he was a 19-year-old kid in Bow Desert, he said to our golf writer at the Courier Mail, he said, I want to be as good as Tiger Woods. And uh, Bernie, our golf writer, sort of stopped and thought... Oh, Put that in the paper, you know, you, you do the kid yeah. a disservice. He's just held the line for, yeah. for 10 years. Yeah. Fantastic. He, he is. It's Tiger Woods-esque, they're calling him right now. For mere mortals, landing the ball on the 17th, the island hole at TPC Sawgrass, that's an astonishing achievement. But you don't have to have the prettiest swing to get the perfect result. Now, this is Will Wilcox. He's about 130-odd in the, in the world. Round it comes. Look at his reaction. He's got the yellow ball he stole from the golf range. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
This is awesome. See, see, this is beautiful because he's just a battler. This will be yeah. the most famous thing he probably ever does. The kid from Alabama, as you say, Tone, it does look like a practice range ball. It's brilliant. Like, that hasn't happened since 2002 in the players. Like 6,000 shots you know, for a, a between hole and one. It's just amazing. They put 40 in the drink all up uh, for wow. the four days. Well, see, I love that. As a hacker, I do like that. I prefer to watch Russell Knox's efforts on that very same hole. He goes, uh, and he was in contention crash at this point. He was. He's in contention. Oh, Bang, he goes in the water. It. Yeah. Well, he decides to just miss it again, Fitzy, for, just for the hell of it. Oh, he's way off. He's way off there. Yeah. He That's goes again. He, go, this, he gets a nine on this hole. Oh, went back incredible. In water. And, and took it brilliantly, aimed up at the press conference, laughed at himself, and the next day he hit it on for one, waved to the crowd, high-fived all his way around, and three putted. Well, you've got, to, you, you've got to feel sorry for him because we all know the rules. If you hit into the drink three, three times, times, it was very tough for him to get it on the green. This was his next shot here because we know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got there. He had to produce two three-ons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're back. Coming up, stuntman extraordinaire. Travis Pastrana joins us. That was a slow burn, wasn't it? it was. <laughs> The Australian Olympic Committee has not curious on their sites. Plus, what this referee did to be red carded. Ericsson and Dyer. And this is Lamella with people to aim for. Some of the great goals from the final round of the EPL. Leicester, of course, already crowned champions, finished one all with Chelsea. Their party's been going on for a couple of weeks now. And how about this to cap it all off? That victory parade through the streets with a quarter of a million people turning out to see their sort of unlikely heroes. Roughly the same crowd, obviously, Sawi, that went to the Dragons. Uh, <laughs> it's like my 21st. When we won there. Yeah. They're great pictures, aren't they? Yeah, fantastic pictures. And I think... You look at the start of the year and how it's panned out for them. What a fantastic achievement. But for all those fans that have all... You know, you wonder how many of them bandwagon fans, but mm. <laughs> a lot of them... Uh, yeah, so I think they were supposed to get 120,000 and they got double that, so fantastic. 140,000 people. I loved some of the grabs from the fans who were saying now they know where, people will finally know where Leicester is yep. and they know how to pronounce Leicester, so <laughs> they're happy. <laughs> Leicester. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think this could well be the ugliest team kit, speaking of football, I, I've ever seen. This is fourth division Spanish team, Palencia. Uh, yes, it is just like they have been flayed. Uh, <laughs> oh, what oh, no. the hell is that, that about? Is weird. It is absolutely weird. Just the flesh. I, I, I changed my. Actually, that's not the worst. 
Right. That's not the worst ever. Do you remember the Colombian cycling team? Oh, <laughs> that's the worst ever. Jeez. Can we go back to his shower gag now? What <laughs> <laughs> about Penrith and the old chocolate uh, jerseys? Oh, oh the brown Ooh. and white vertical stripe. Love them. Love them. All right, look, I'm back on Team Kyrgios. There you go. I've said it for the Olympics. Although he's still got obviously plenty of work to do to convince Chef de Mission Kitty Chiller. Have a listen. Some. Uh, um ill-advised, shall I say, comments uh, about, about me and what it means to be an Olympian. I, I think some of Nick's comments uh, in social media in the last week has shown that maybe he doesn't really understand what it means to be an Australian Olympian. Any athlete that has just had a disciplinary action by their International Federation clearly is on watch. Is she being too harsh? I mean, he's been in great form of late and he's caught no major atrocities in, in recent times. Oh, look, don't no, but the thing is... We've got to stop giving standing ovations to athletes who behave themselves for a month. Like, Steve Healy came out and said, oh, his recent behaviour's been good. I mean, it was seven or eight weeks ago at Indian Wells, his behaviour was terrible. Like, and yet they have a few good weeks and suddenly it's, oh, he's really back, he's really turned the corner. Really? Could you trust him? I don't know. Uh, well, that's the question, isn't it? Could you trust him if you sent him to the Olympics to represent Australia? What if he had a tantrum or carried on or, or you know, and she had to front up the cameras? So that's what she's thinking. She's sending a message. Her main concern is the behaviour of our athletes over there. So that's why she's talking tough. I think with Tennis Australia, it's such a delicate issue with the tennis players because they need a good relationship with Nick Kyrgios. So maybe they're thinking if we publicly defend him, this is the best way to handle him. They want him to play Hopman Cup. They want him to, you know, rock up at media conferences before the Australian Open and sell tennis. So it, it's... And I think they've given up on Bernard Tomic. They've said, that's fine, we'll let that go. But we really need Nick. He on won't board. be the only person in the Olympic Village who's brash and poorly behaved at times. I wouldn't have thought from not just from Australia, from around the world. You know, you want him there, Nick Kyrgios? Oh, look, I, I think it was a bit stupid by Kitty Chiller to come out. And what, what does she want from him? Does she want him to come out and apologise for his actions? Let it go. If you don't she want to pick him, him to show her and ever like just show some respect. Yeah, but at the how? End of the day. How, how do you do that? Well, Carol? don't get on social media and have back. and yeah, have yeah, a crack yeah, at yeah, her. Yeah, and she, he has a complete lack of respect for authority. Yeah, but she's coming out and she wants a response. So what? she's Why is she no, want no, a response? No, no. no she she's doesn't. been asked questions and she's most entitled to reply. Right. In, in fact. They love her at the AOC because at least she has a crack. She says, here's what I stand for. Yeah. Many who did her role previously didn't do that. Nick probably won't win gold anyway. That's probably Novak Djokovic, who you'd imagine, world number one. He doesn't need help from anyone, obviously, in any tournament, least of all the chair umpire. Have a listen to this. Your, your string. Novak, string. The string. The racket, racket, racket. He's broken the, the string on his racket. He hasn't noticed. Yeah. <laughs> that could have been embarrassing. I mean, surely Nishikori doesn't want uh, the umpire to point that out. Yeah. Is he coaching him there? Code mm. violation, Mohamed Laani. See, he says it could have been embarrassing. Why not let it be embarrassing if he's got a dirty great hole in his racket? Surely she's let him serve with it. Well, I think you'll find if you read the rules of tennis... <coughs> oh, no. <laughs> ..that you're not allowed to start a point with a broken racket. So Novak didn't know and the chair umpire's helping him out. But does Novak need help? Have I mean, you read the rules of tennis? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> didn't Tommy start a point holding the other end of the racket? Yeah. <laughs> no, he finished one. Let's just play on. Yeah. He finished one. All right, the Waratahs managed to sneak to the top of the Australian Conference in Super Rugby but at the cost of Kirtley Beale, whose season and perhaps career with Waratahs is over. A bad patella injury that is months 
in the healing. This is uh, a bad look. Obviously, off to London Wasps, if everything is OK, for $2.9 million. Really big setback for Australian rugby, Tone, because apart from his skill and ability, he had one thing that they really lack at the moment, profile. Everyone know, knew him, you know, like David Pocock, Kirtley Beal. I mean, to your man in the street, they can't go much further in Australian rugby. So he's off to Wasps. It, it is a worry. I, I know the recent rules allow him to go over there and he may sneak tests in here, but to lose a guy in his prime like that yeah. really hurts. Not good news at all. All right, if there's a stink on in footy, the referee usually looks to his sideline officials to help separate the <laughs> warring parties. Or in Germany, just to get stuck in themselves. There he is, just put oh. the boot in at the edge of the ruck. Absolutely phenomenal. Look at this, boom. It was <laughs> half-hearted. It reminds me of suburban cricket here in Australia. You know when your own teammates umpire the game? Yes, and holding the, rule, the bat. Yeah, and the rules are you never give out your mate LBW. Like, you never, it's so hard to get a wicket when the opposition <laughs> team <laughs> is umpiring <laughs> against their own team. Exactly right. Like, people don't even appeal anymore. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> that, of course, leads us seamlessly into our top five stages of referee <laughs> anger. Number five, start with smouldering. Look at this. Use the death stare. <laughs> Just take a deep look at this. Turn the head to the side. <laughs> a little terrifying. <laughs> Next up, this is justified rage, as you'd imagine from the uh, line official there. Gets a bit of a goal for where's the respect? Chase him, chase him. That is good honour. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Look at your love. Riding out. Number three. Time for up in your face verbal. Incorrectly thinking, of course, here that the microphones are off. Two. Let's get physical. Yes, yeah. just punching is good for the referee there. Got the whistle of mouth, bit of punching going oh, on. Oh. And maybe a bit of kicking as well. Just throw that in and boop, there oh. I go. And if that doesn't work, you're talking to me? Red cards. <laughs> red cards. Red cards for everybody. <laughs> uh, number one, when all else fails, just add a weapon to the equation. Oh, no. Yeah, and, and just threaten to shoot. Yeah, put some new spin on the pedal, shootout. Uh, there he is with the gun. With the gun. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I, of course, personally prefer a happy official to an angry one. And doesn't get much happier than the fourth official at this check game. <laughs> when I say happily, I mean totally stonkered. <laughs> he wasn't the only one who had a few drinks before turning up for work. Apparently, his mate, here he is, he'd had a couple as well. <laughs> Let's be honest, you'd have to write yourself off to be a referee. <laughs> Nobody, though. Nobody, Fitzy, wears the wobbly footy boot as well as this referee. Uh, he's my absolute hero. Look at him. He's, he's still leaning against last night's bar. <laughs> the bar's no longer there. <laughs> I've had a couple, but I think I'm going to wave to the crowd. And Hello, sweetheart. <laughs> I love you. Oh, I love it. Coming up, a very special guest, legendary stunt performer and oh Nitro Circus star, Travis Pastrana. Right here.
Elvis Pastrana. <laughs> the best part was he didn't need to do it. <laughs> Ridiculous. As someone who crosses the road only at pedestrian crossings, that footage absolutely terrifies me. Look, he's in one piece, and with us ahead of the Nitro Circus shows Travis Pastrana. Hello, and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you guys for having me on. Appreciate it. I look at that. I guess this is a question you've been asked a thousand times. Maybe your family, your loved ones, friends uh, ask you. Maybe at some point in your life you've asked it yourself, why? You know, the, there is no real good reason for doing any sports or anything that we do, but it's that passion, that waking up in the morning thinking, I think I can do this. I think I can win. I think I can go further than anyone's ever gone. And it's, it's, you have it when you're a kid, and most people kind of lose, you lose that uh, youthful exuberance, and it's pretty neat. My dad said, you know, Travis, you're 32 years old. You're traveling around the world making a living on kids' toys. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> As a kid, did you have that? Was it a, you know, a cry for attention? I'm going to jump off the roof to make sure my parents are looking at me and paying attention? It was kind of the exact opposite. My dad uh, played, or my uh, uncle played quarterback for the Denver Broncos, yep. um, all Golden Glove boxers, wrestlers. I got beat up. I was the run to the family. I couldn't throw, catch, hit. I got knocked down all the time. So the only way that I could actually not get beat up was to get a motorcycle and I could just twist the throttle, could outrun everyone. And then I figured I'm really durable. So I started jumping off really high places, learning flips, tricks. That was the only way that I could actually not be made fun of at every family reunion. Yeah, Travis, is there anything that you wouldn't do? You've done a lot, obviously, by looking at the highlights. Is there anything that you won't touch? Uh, well, coming over to Australia, I made the mistake of driving with my wife when the road was switched sideways, and I will never, ever do that. <laughs> She's probably watching, I'm so sorry. But... <laughs> Love her to death. Great driver. Just, yeah, it's really confusing over here. But, see, uh, what do you do to relax, Travis? Like, on the weekend, yeah, I know you've got two daughters, but, I mean, you just your heart would be racing the whole time in your career. What do you like to do to settle down? Um, you know, for me, it's just spending time with the family, and it's, it's pretty awesome. Everyone says, what do you do when you have time off? I said, well, I do the exact same thing. We go, you know, we drive cars, motorcycles, everything like that. It's... For me, I love what we do so much, and it's kind of your relaxing time. There's no rules. There's no, um, you know, it's kind of chaos, but it's, there's some fun and some peace in that. When you're in the air, you know, jumping a 250-foot jump, and, you know, you're, you're just floating. It's, yep. A lot of people don't experience that. I'm up with the floating. It's the landing that I'm worried about. <laughs> uh, and and you, you're no stranger to the in, inside of an ambulance, so are you? There's been plenty of injuries along the way. Like, if you, if just read the list. The oh, man, spine, huh? torn ACL, PCL, LCL, MCL, meniscus in the left knee broken. Look, it's probably just quicker for me to show you a graph of where you have been you injured. You guys did a graph for yeah, me. Yeah, there's basically... Oh, man! <laughs> yeah. There you are. Uh, <laughs> that obviously is part of the job description in it's reality. Like a Spanish uh, uniform. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you'd been on here because didn't get a laugh when I said it. <laughs> that obviously goes with the territory. But how do you cope with that? 
Well, this was interesting because this time I actually landed and I hit so hard I, I pooped myself, which was, was very disappointing. <laughs> so I got back up. No, this is actually happened. So I got back up, tried the trick again, thinking, man, before the pain sets in. Well, then I shattered my, my ankle and I had 40 fractures over seven bones. And they got me hooked up to all the stuff and I had surgery and it came back to the, like basically it was all done. My wife's like, man, you smell. And I thought, I was like, oh boy, this, yep. <laughs> there's something I forgot. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's bad, and then it's just, when you say it can't get any worse, and then something like that happens. <laughs> did, did, did you, oh, sorry, Kel, I just want to quickly, did you poop yourself also during this one? Because this is one of my favorites, because you rally, obviously, NASCAR and rally car as well. Uh, this looks scary. Yeah, well, it, that actually, that photographer never came back to the rally again. Probably <laughs> <laughs> was far enough away. I love the inside. Well, it's like time slows down for us, so we actually thought that the, the car had stopped flipping because everything got quiet. It was like, you know, a Ricky Bobby moment. You know, I'm flying through the air. Yeah. Well, it was flipping and flipping and flipping, and you're dizzy. You know, it's like a really bad roller coaster ride where there's glass and stuff <laughs> everywhere. And then it got quiet. So both my co-driver and I, I remember looking over. I'm like, are you alive? And then we rolled three more times. It's like, oh, <laughs> we're not done yet. I was. <laughs> Is there anything that you're scared of? Tell us you're scared of the dark or spiders or... Yeah, I mean, definitely being a father has been... Uh, I mean, well, I, I know I keep saying all these normal things that I'm... Uh, but... You know, when it's you, you know, you're in control. You understand, or at least you think, I think I'm in control. I usually am not. I'm overconfident in my abilities. But you make that decision, and, you know, you have a life of experiences that you kind of go through. And I'm just, we were talking earlier, like, I'm really concerned. In a couple of years, my daughter comes home, she's like, oh, my boyfriend's just like all your friends. <laughs> In all seriousness, you, you've got two girls and they're one and two. Does that change your perspective on your profession, knowing that you've got these little E's to look after? You know, a little bit, but my wife is a multiple-time X Games gold medalist yeah. in skateboarding. And, you know, they, they gotta, um, so when they come to Nitro Circus, um, my two-year-old, she's it's kind of scary. She's kind of thrown around literally from place to place, riding on different uh, motorcycles and all this different stuff. But the passion that all the guys on Nitro Circus have, it's like I'm sure with your team, you know, you have that that camaraderie. And I hope that, you know, I hope she takes off golf or tennis, both of them. But no matter what they do, if they have half the passion of their mom and I do and, and all of their, their crazy uncles and aunts, I think we've done all right. Well, I don't know about, well, I'll just show you some vision here. This is your daughter. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, she jumped on her own. No one pushed her. No way! I can't, I can't get my kid to get up on the top bunk. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I'm kind of in trouble on that one. She's, uh, she, she loves it, though. She loves jumping from high places, and um, it's good. Our, our one-year-old, I know that sounds silly, but th that one, our two-year-old, when she was one, she actually, before she turned two, she jumped off on her own. They crammed up the rock climb wall with her on my back, wow. and before I set her down, I was like, just don't, you know, don't fall, and she just ran and jumped off. <gasps> Thought it was the greatest thing ever. Now our one-year-old now... She has learned from her older sister's mistakes yeah. and does, a, does nothing of the sort. Oh. Travis, you, uh, we all get you, you know, in the cars and the bikes and all that, you know, fantastic. But the one thing we couldn't believe that you've jumped out of a plane without a parachute, <laughs> which is just plain insane. How do you do uh, it? Here it is. Well, well yeah, it's easy. Well, I mean, it's, it's really simple to jump out of the plane. As it turns out, not legal. Um, so, really? yeah, that, I got in a lot of trouble for this. But, uh, Are they really? the police coming to get you now? Yeah, they're, they're, there's no way to say that. I mean, as the other guy gets, uh, there's no way to say that correctly. But, yeah, it was, um, it was pass or fail. I always like those tests the most. And then, um, you know, I'm not very good at skydiving. 
But uh, but these guys, they could catch an anvil. I was like the coyote. I'm just waiting for the roadrunner to come down and uh, figure that out. That's extraordinary, though, isn't it? Like, you, that, what was it like that moment when it was just you? No shoot, just the world. It, the scariest moment was when I jumped out and thought, this feels normal. <laughs> thought, you know, that's when I got scared. I was like, that, that's probably not You're okay. scaring me now. <laughs> what, what's more difficult, the, the kind of the somersault things you do on the bike, that technical stuff, or is it driving a car really, really fast over a giant gap, which you also do? Um, well, honestly, the gap is just once you figure out the, the speed, um, it's just being the first person to do a world record. Like, this actually doubled the world record from what they had, um, typical, uh, you know, with what the Red Bull or Nitro Circus guys do. But the problem with this was they actually watered down the landing um, by accident. They uh, were bringing in the new year, um, so all the fire trucks watered. So we hit the wall at, like, you know, I say we. I don't know, just me. <laughs> what's, what's the most insane thing that you've seen? Like, we've got Robbie Madison here in Australia, yeah, that's who is Maddo's just a madman. Um, but what is the most insane stunt that you've seen? Or has anyone done in your eyes? Yeah. You know, honestly, it's, it's most of the big stunts um, go well. Uh, Josh Sheehan did a triple backflip, Australian. He came over to my house. I mean, he, when everyone said it couldn't be possible, it took him three years. Train, he was welding his own ramps. I mean, you know, Bogan from Perth, awesome dude. <laughs> Welded his own stuff, flew his way over, had all his, uh, you know, his family come over, helping him build everything. And he went 100 feet in the air. That's, I mean, you know, 35 meters off the grid. Like, you, you can't. It's like falling from outer space. Oh, but yeah. he was so methodical. He trained so hard. He worked so hard. Like, I wasn't concerned. I'm like, he's, he's going to nail it. This guy's solid. Like, it's, it's the guys that go out there that think, oh, he did it, so I'm just going to do it with no idea. Like, mm. you know, probably the big wheel stunts are the, the scariest because someone's like, yeah, you should just ride down. You're like, man, I don't know if these wheels are going to make it. Yeah. Like, you can see some amazing stuff at Nitro Circus, of course. That is what you're here for. It's on uh, this week. Some dates for you right here now. Sydney, of course, uh, on Friday, May 20, Sydney, of course, and on Saturday as well. And Melbourne, beautiful Melbourne. Uh, the hook turns are very difficult. They're scary as well in Melbourne. Be careful. <laughs> this is the sort of stuff you'll be able to enjoy. It is absolutely brilliant. Uh, fans here love it, don't they? Yeah, it, it's pretty wild, man. It's, it's literally the best in the world. This is the biggest tour we've ever done, and the ramps are all new. We actually, um, in Brisbane, the, the roof wasn't tall enough. We had to bring the ramps in smaller. So luckily, the stadium is bigger here, so we're going to go really, really high. Travis, <laughs> absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Can't wait Thank to see you. Thank you guys it. so much. Thank for you very much. On. Stay with us. Our champ of the week is up next. Welcome back. Time now for our epic fail. And Blue Jays left fielders Michael Saunders. Uh, the fly ball, the foul ball's hit. He seems to have it covered beautifully until the uh, bullpen pitcher's mound jumps out of the ground to meet him. This is the angle here. As you can see, he down he goes and watch the ball. And oh, just a little falcon on the top of the head. Oh. <laughs> down I go. Just everything goes out of whack. And <laughs> beautiful work. Time now, though, on the other end of the scale for the champ of the week. And with some reluctance. It goes to Max Verstappen, who took advantage of uh, the Mercedes race-ending friendly fire, which I didn't mind one bit, to make F1 history becoming the youngest race winner, taking out the Spanish Grand Prix, having just been put into that Red Bull seat. Amazing. The reluctance, I'm saying, is only because the win should have gone to his teammate, Aussie Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, poor race strategy robbed him. Still, 18 and the world at the young Dutchman's feet. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to all of you as well. Thank you so much and thank you. It's been lovely to have your company once more. We'll see you next week. Yes,
This has been a production of Fox Sports.